Hello, and welcome to a DM's Guide to Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I'm your host, Greggy. Every episode, I get on here and I talk to you about the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden book, uh, how I'm running it, what I'm changing, uh, what went well in my last session, and what didn't go well. Or once in a while, I'll have a DM on to uh, talk about Rhyme of the Frost Maiden with me and, and let me know how it's going for them. Uh, but this this time, it's a little bit different. So. Not in that I'm not having a DM on, because actually this person, this guest, is the person that taught me what a DM is and how to be one. The, the, the first, uh, well, I guess not necessarily the first, but the first uh, D&D game I ever played in for sure. Uh, Joe was the DM and now he's a player and he plays, or I'm sorry, now they're a player and they play in my games. And I, I, I love to play with Joe. Joe, my girl, welcome to DM's Guide to Rhyme of the Frostman. Craig, thank you so much for having me. I'm such a big fan of this podcast that I can't listen to. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, don't say you're a big fan. I hope you've never listened. I have not. Okay, yeah, because there are some mega spoilers in there. You could really ruin things for me if you ever did. <laughs> I'm sure I already would have if I listened but at this point. <laughs> uh, this time we're, we're mostly going to talk about the oral fight, the big, the big fight with... Uh, the goddess Oral herself, but maybe we, we can talk a little bit about the uh, the campaign in general. Uh, tell us about your character a little bit. How about that? Sure. I am playing Selkie, who is uh, a half-orc and half-drow uh, rogue ranger multiclass. His former life, he was a pirate until... Sometime in, in his later years, he, he sailed into a port down south in the uh, deserts of Kalimshan and found himself in a torrid love affair with this uh, concubine that was the favorite concubine of some old noble lord down there. And, and the two of them fell in love and ran away and had a kid together. Uh, but then uh, because of the danger of, of stealing this, this woman away from the... Uh, the Lord, he had to, he himself had to run away to keep them safe. And now he is uh, trapped up north as his pirate ship crashed uh, up in the frozen north of Icewind Dale. And now he's just an old kooky, crazy guy. That's, that's Selkie. He's a, <laughs> he's a crazy, chaotic little rogue. Yes. And listeners are going to recognize uh, that the Kalimshan a portion of his backstory because that was one of the secrets from the book. Yes, that's right. As was the uh, oh, and he was a pirate cannibal as well, uh, <laughs> yeah. who had to eat his entire crew, which was a fun little uh, wrinkle to add to it. Because I had come up with the idea that I wanted to play like an old crusty sailor, and then you were like, "Oh, this is perfect. Here's a secret that there's a pirate cannibal." I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> and it also fit into uh, that like secret uh, Kalimshan thing. So, yeah, so I, I kind of I kind of like <laughs> uh, chose a few for the players and, and let you you kind of pick, especially for, for some of the other folks. But uh, for your character, since you already had, uh, you know, a lot of the elements. Uh, yeah, I, I suggested that one to you. Do you feel like uh, the secrets? Uh, helped inform how you how you uh, you you came up with your your character's backstory. Was it a good addition to the book? 
Yeah, definitely. I love I love when players have secrets, like when player characters have secrets. I think it's so interesting because it gives them such a like a strong basis to role play their character off of. If, if it's like, OK, well, I have this or not even necessarily a secret, but like something that they keep close to their, you know, uh, close to their chest in like a personal matter or something like that. But the idea that everyone in this campaign like had a terrible secret or something like that. Uh, was very fun and like trying to, to like learn or, or learning like what their secret was like I've really enjoyed hearing everyone else in the party's secrets and I think at this point all of them have been revealed unless someone really has like something that they haven't given up yet but I, I've thought it, it's it's been very fun uh, that little uh, wrinkle there yeah there is there is one secret still wow. uh, Still in the game that we haven't found out about. Who, I'm not who give is it? I bet. Oh, I don't know. Interesting. Uh, but it, it is, it is good. I, I do. I, I recognize uh, that it, that it's really good that I, I have good players. That you didn't get very meta about the secrets and trying to game out who 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 has what secret and what's that all about and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I, I, yeah, I, I would like to do at some point. I would like to do maybe. With each of you individually or all together, I would I would like to do like uh, the players' be- uh, breakdown of how, how you felt about the uh, campaign so far. But mm-hmm. we're not we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So uh, let's just talk about this big this big fight with Oral. It took two sessions to get through. Yeah, uh, yeah, a, a really big battle uh, with three different forms for Oral. And you know what? Uh, honestly, I I ran it right out of the book. Uh, to be honest with you, how uh, all the stats were right out of the book. Uh, the spells that Oral cast and the way they worked. Uh, so far as I know, I think it was all just uh, just the way it was written. Um, well, how did you feel about the fight? Did you think it was uh, too difficult, uh, too easy, a good challenge? What, what do you think? No, I thought it was a great challenge. I love, I have loved the entire challenge, like the chapter that, that we had been on of like the Island of Solstice and Grimskull, uh, her fortress like that. It, this entire thing has been like so fun. I think like really well written. Um, I've really enjoyed like all of the different encounters that they put in like all of the stuff with the frost giants and and um the the trials in order to get the uh codicil of the white and all that was very fun and and, like very engaging um and then i I really thought that the fight with oral was excellent um i'm a big sucker for multi-phase boss fights anyway What I liked, mo- I, I did think like it was hard. I legitimately did not think that we were going to win that, especially like at that third phase. I'm like, yeah. well, there's we're f- like we are not getting through this. But I liked that about that fight was that like we were fighting, you know, an avatar of a goddess, and it was properly difficult and uh, threatening. The, the party kind of uh, took that took that phase. You started off that phase. Uh, playing the way you always do, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then to meet the challenge to try and, and figure out how to uh, how to defeat this avatar of a goddess, you you kind of change your uh, tactics as a group, and and you ended up uh, you know <laughs> winning the battle when you thought yeah. you you might not, you know? Yeah, that's a, I, and that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like why I loved it so much was I really 
and this has been something I've been doing in my own campaign that I DM now is like trying to make encounters interesting, not just based, you know, like not having just like a boss have a ton of hit points and like in high, a high armor class because that's not dynamic or really that fun. So I've started, you know, trying to incorporate different types of like terrain or adding in like minions that do stuff to supplement the boss or having like environmental effects. So like for instance, in that third phase when she put out that big fog cloud or whatever, I thought that was so fun, even though it was very hard for me as a player and character to hit the boss. It forced me to play differently. Like I had to, I got to use a lot of like the utilities in my uh, player's toolkit. Um, like I got to use my rogue's cunning action a lot to like disengage or like dash in. Um, whereas like Selkie has kind of sort of been like a little bit static in terms of just like throwing uh, his his daggers at range. So like it forced me to like move in and move out, um, and it forced our party to interact in different ways. And I really, really enjoyed that about that fight uh, is just like how dynamic it was and how every form had like a different kind of trick to it is like we couldn't just rely on doing the same thing for all three phases. We had to switch it up every time she switched. I thought it was super, super fun. Well, good, good. Uh, You know, (laughs) big part of having this podcast is just so... I don't like get into to our uh, you know our group chat every week <laughs> and uh, and talk about all the things I changed and you know how things could have gone differently and stuff like that. Yeah, because uh, I I kind of feel like that it takes a little bit of the magic away for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I might inadvertently spoil something. Uh, but you know, Oral is dead. What do you? What what if I? What if we talk a little bit about the uh, the mechanics and I, and I let you know. Uh, maybe some stuff behind the scenes about how that worked. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so yes, you've got Oral the Frost Maiden, uh, as everybody knows. In her first form, the first form is a little, a little squishy, a little on the easy side. Uh, she starts out with an AC of 13 and around uh, 95 hit points, depending on you know how it rolls. I think she rolled a little high uh, on that first form. She's got a fly speed of 60 feet and a uh, walking speed of 30 feet. And I think uh, I think she didn't get a lot of chance to fly around, which <laughs> I think she was supposed to a little bit mm. more, but Octos, uh, the, you know, one of the characters we have, has that, that damn sentinel feet that uh, stops everybody all the time. She actually had damage vulnerabilities to Radiant in this form uh, that didn't end up coming up, but I, I had that starred and ready to go just in case uh, something happened. Maybe I think it's possible that uh, our cleric Mosley has some radiant damage. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, guiding about. bolt. Oh yeah. So I was ready for it in case that happened. Uh, she was immune to cold, of course, and poison. Didn't end up coming up. Also immune to charmed, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, and stunned. Nobody tried those as well, so that wasn't an issue. She also can't be surprised. And she can't change into any other form with uh, against her will, uh, which it was interesting. Uh, but to be honest, the, all the Frost Giant stuff, that was just me trying to add Frost Giants into the campaign for Taylor's character uh, rather than it being that way in the book. Um, so uh, the, the, the Frost Giant Jarl kind of uh, uh, making her angry and, and getting her attention uh, on purpose. He, he, that was his whole point, point of being there. That was 
not necessarily a part of the book, but also if you go to the island of Solstice, you got to fight Whirl, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what's the point? It's the rhyme of the Frost Maiden. You got to fight the Frost Maiden. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So she she had a, a bit of a, a spell book. She has she she definitely has like misty step and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also, Oral uh, just innately she can teleport anywhere on Solstice Island uh, as a free action as much as she wants. Oh, interesting. Uh, so fighting her, yeah. So fighting her on on uh, Solstice Island and and actually taking her out is is going to be a, a real problem or a real difficulty for most parties. Uh, I invented that thing with the. Uh, a ring that stops teleportation, and I, I, I keep forgetting. I've got to actually make a, a homebrew item uh, and give that to you so that it's. In oh your yes, back. that's right. Yeah, that's that's how I kind of got around that, so you guys could fight her uh, on the island. She had ice storm, which I think she used at one point, didn't she? Didn't she? Yeah, she did. She put it like right in the center of of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so she, she actually used that that spell at least. Um, she also had a, a multi attack. Uh, with her talons and uh, a touch of frost. Uh, and she had the, the chromatic orb that she could use at range to toss at people. Uh, she had legendary abilities, uh, one of which was a talon attack, a touch of frost, and uh, the, the teleport. Uh, I mean, this form, in the end, it, there's not a lot to it. The, <laughs> it is a little bit squishy, not, not a, a big uh, challenge uh, to this form, I would say. So for the first form, were you thinking, ah, this is much easier than I was expecting? Or was I it still- knew something was going to happen. I'm like, because <laughs> it did, you know, it, it definitely felt like, you know, this, she, I feel like she was doing like a lot of damage with like her frost touch or whatever to Octos. But I'm like, this isn't too bad. And then, you know, once we killed her and she took her next phase, I'm like, ah, yeah, OK, here we go. It didn't end up being an issue because of Octos having Sentinel and everything. I, I knew it, it wasn't likely to happen, but I'm surprised she has the the flight speed and not like a swoop sort of ability or, or you know, uh, one of those kind of uh, run and gun uh-huh, type abilities uh-huh. that was often the case with a flyer. Uh, so I think if, if if Octos hadn't have been there, I might have just I might have just decided that that was a thing she could do uh, on the fly. But you know, it didn't end up being that way. Right. But yeah, that was uh, that was phase one. You guys got through that one pretty quickly. In phase two, she became the uh, the the avatar of ice with uh, you know big uh, icicles growing out of her all over the place. Uh, most of most of her stats were were very similar. Her armor class went up a little bit. Um, let's see, what else did she have? Uh, that was different. She also had, of course, legendary resistances. But the interesting thing about her legendary resistances is she had different amounts of how many she could use per form. So it, I think it only ended up being an issue once, but uh, it, it could have uh, kept going uh, more than most other, even most other legendaries, I would say. She had a, a, an ice ranged attack and a, a, a close up morning star attack. Uh, Cone of Cold, she used Ice Methods. The Ice Methods, she could uh, summon uh, little Ice Methods to uh, harass your players. And then she could also, uh, which you guys found out, uh, she could explode the Ice Methods to deal quite a lot more damage. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Very cool ability. Very cool ability. I liked that part a lot. Yeah, that was great. Because, again, I mean, as a DM, I'm like, okay, I 
you know, not trying to be like, you know, using my own meta knowledge. But I'm like, okay, an ice method is like, you know, a CR one half creature. Even if it hits, it's only going to do like a little bit of damage. And I'm resistant to cold, so like, it right now. But then yeah. when she exploded, though, there was like two methods by me that she exploded. And I was like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I got got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You. You. Everybody kind of uh, ignored the ice method and just. <laughs> Which is great. Like, I love that. That's like such a fun thing because like, when, I mean, you know, you're it's, it, it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. It's like, okay, well, I can attack this thing that I might kill in one hit, but then that's a hit that I'm not putting on the boss. But then if I leave it, you know, it has this big explosion thing. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I thought that was a very fun mechanic. She also had ice stasis where she uh, creates a gem-sized ice crystal that hovers in space uh, within five feet of her, she targets a creature she can see, and they have to succeed on a, a very high, a DC 21 charisma saving throw, or become trapped in the crystal. Now, the crystal, in- inside of it, you're stunned, and you take 21 cold damage at the start of each of your turns. Uh, so if you get sucked into that crystal and you can't make that charisma saving throw, uh, that could be a real problem. A nice thing is it, it does have an AC of 18, the crystal itself, and 9 hit points, although it is immune to all damage except fire damage. So it's possible somebody might be able to uh, come up with the idea of, of uh, melting the ice to get their, their party member out of that crystal, but it's possible somebody could just be stuck uh, for the rest of this this part of the, the battle. Octos got in there for one turn, and I was thinking, oh, great, wait, we got Octos in the in the crystal. Now she can move around a little bit and go kill Mosley or somebody. Um, but Octos ended up making the save on the second turn and only took uh, the, the first amount of the damage from it. Uh, and, and I think she ended up dying before she could get a chance to uh, recharge that, that ability and try it again. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was a cool aspect of of the battle that part, and definitely I think it definitely made you guys uh, stop and think. Well, okay, <laughs> this is going to be a little more difficult than we thought. Definitely, yeah. Like when your tank gets caught inside uh, a crystal that they can't get out of, all of mm-hmm. us in the back are like, uh oh. <laughs> okay, phase three. You've got the crystallized uh, form of Oral, her her third form her final form and in this one her ac goes all the way up to 19 and she gets uh, quite a lot of extra hit points uh on on this phase it becomes you know a, a very difficult to to hit her especially because uh, she's got that frigid aura that makes people take uh 10 cold damage at the start of her turns which she has uh, in a legendary action that she can use uh, with two actions to intensify that and make it so you would take 20 damage instead of 10. I forgot to mention this in those other two, but she also had magic resistance in each form. The the big thing about this, this third one is the Blizzard Veil, where she creates a magical blizzard uh, in a 30-foot radius sphere centered on herself. Uh, the area within is heavily obscured, and it moves with her. Uh, it lasts until she drops the zero hit points or until she chooses the two in the effect or until her concentration is broken. So that combined with the high AC uh, makes this one a real challenge for the party, especially if you kind of blew through phase one and two. You get to that phase three and suddenly, you know, there's a there's a wall up 
and you gotta figure out a way to get around that wall. Um, she also has a blinding gleam that I think everybody saved on when she tried to use it. A wisdom saving throw uh, or be blinded by Oral's magical gleam for one minute. Um, nobody ended up uh, being blinded by that, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Yeah, so you, you had to to run in and, and attack with your daggers. Uh, I decided if you were right up on top of her within five feet, you could see uh, her well enough to, to hit or not be a disadvantage at least. That was very generous of you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. Oh, really? Yeah, no. I mean, like, if it's heavily obscured, I would have said you just got to deal with it. Okay. But I'm a little bit meaner. <laughs> yeah, but I, but 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 I didn't let you, I didn't say uh, if you just get within the blizzard, then you can see her. No, no, no. It's true. Plus, you gotta get right plus up on once her. you got right up on her, then you were uh, vulnerable to her uh, frost aura too. So it was right, like, exactly, exactly. Not That's getting, yeah, like we weren't getting it for free, you know. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. You get pulled in, and you have to take that frigid aura damage. Yeah. She also had a vulnerability to thunder in this form, uh, which didn't end up coming uh, up. But that's uh, yeah, an that interesting fact. Interesting. But yeah, that, that's kind of the oral fight. I guess I didn't have a lot of <laughs> insight on how to run it. Uh, let me let me look back over these real quick and and see if there was anything that I think I think running it as written uh, is not that not that bad, not that difficult. Um, you, you do want to keep an eye on the ice storm for sure in phase one. Uh, she should probably cast that, I would think. It's a big damage spell, and she is uh, the, the the avatar of ice, basically. Uh, she should she should cast that spell, I would say, for sure. Don't forget that one. Don't sleep on it. Remember those magic resistances in each phase uh, so that she has advantage on saving throws. Remember those immunities for sure. Don't let your players charm her by accident or something. You got to remember. If I could offer a suggestion for other DMs, I think, and I don't think this is, I mean, it's probably, you know, up to the DM, but like you were saying, she has that fly speed in that first form as an owlbear. I don't think it's Uh out of the question for, you know, this avatar of a goddess to have the flyby ability where they don't provoke opportunity attacks when they fly out of an enemy's reach. Right. I think for like, I think that makes sense for an avatar to have that. Yeah. And and like, I, I don't think it would be unfair, like, you know, just because Octos has Sentinel, it's not necessarily punishing her. It's just, I, I think like for a, for a boss like that, I think that's an okay thing. Because it also makes sense with, you know, what that creature is. It's like, it, it is aspects of an owl which yeah. already has that um, right that's just me well i mean if you're gonna give it flyby for sure add in there that uh you know this doesn't provoke opportunity attacks but i think there's some something going on with octos where she always gets opportunity attacks even if they have a thing that says they don't doesn't she uh, i think that is in the uh sentinel feet okay Okay, so I mean, yes, if you, if you want, you could just say, you know, she is a goddess and, and normal rules don't apply to her. So, uh, yeah, that could be definitely something you could do. And I, I, I would say one way or another, you should give her flyby, uh, some sort of a flyby ability on that first uh, on that first part, just so that she actually does fly around a little, which uh, is, you know, if she has a fly speed, she should fly a little, I think. Mm-hmm. In phase two, Remember those those ice methods 
have her pop off those ice methods and explode them. Always <laughs> make sure you don't forget about those two things. Uh, I think if you read over the, the stat block, th they're going to jump out at you and make you want to do them anyway. Uh, but you, you definitely don't forget. Set that combo up. And uh, yeah, figure out what target uh, you would like to use for your ice stasis. How mean you want to be. Uh, I, I was trying to up the challenge, so I was trying to get the uh, the tank out of the picture for a minute so she could go and, and take out our, our squishier uh, party members. Uh, but, I mean, you could you could have her use it on the healer if that's a, a something you wanted to do. You could toss it on a big damage dealer uh, to, to make the fight more difficult. If, you, if, if things are going a little bad and you want to be a little easier on your party, you could use it on uh, a less... Uh, a, a less juicy target if you wanted to. And, you know, if you wanted to make it easy on your party, you could create the ice methods, but, you know, uh, forget to explode them or only explode them a little bit. You know, something like that, you could make it a little easier in that way, adjust the difficulty. Uh, otherwise, I think you're not going to forget anything because there aren't any real spells in Phase 2. Uh, phase 3, remember, she she has to get that, she has to get that Blizzard Veil off and uh, remember to move it around. It moves around when she moves. Uh, and then you can adjust the difficulty from there. You could, uh, if you needed to, you could make it so uh, just entering the blizzard is enough to be able to see the crystal. You could do, go the way I did, where you uh, decide you, you want to pull them into that frigid aura. So if you're at five feet away, you can hit, uh, you know, it, it normal hits. Uh, you could make it even easier than that if you wanted to. And, or, or no, even harder than that if you wanted to and make it even if you're five feet away, this, this blizzard is so intense, you still can't see well enough to, to swing your uh, weapon and, and hit regularly. Yeah, don't forget the aura. The aura is a big thing. It starts at the, at the start of each of her turns. It's at the start of each of her turns and she does that 10 damage to everyone that's within 10 feet of her. So if somebody is, you know, stepped back just one square or something like that, they're still going to get hit with that aura. And you know what? You could, uh, while we're at it, if you want to make it more difficult, you could increase the size of that aura as well if you wanted to. Uh, don't forget to intensify it. You could decrease the difficulty by, or, or no, increase the difficulty by making uh, intensifying the aura only cost one action, but she can only do it once per turn so that she keeps doing that more often. I think you could run it right out of the uh, right out of the book at the suggested level, and have your party. I think will have a pretty good chance uh, of being successful at the end. Now, uh, one thing I did change was the loot. I actually added loot to this battle. Uh, it, the book, as written, has no loot uh, for for killing a goddess, which I thought was a little a little weird, a little strange to me. I, I guess there is stuff you can go loot inside of her uh, for. If, if if that's what you're looking for. I kind of gave her an, an owlbear cloak that she dropped at the first uh, phase. The Ring of Winter was one of them. Yes, the Ring of Winter. Okay, that's that's just part of our, our game, actually. But yeah, you're right. So the first phase, it was the Ring of Winter. The second phase, she, she dropped the Cloak of Owlbear flying. Maybe I have these backwards. No, it was the other way around. First phase, Cloak of Owlbear flying. Second phase, the Ring of Winter third phase uh an oral shard staff that i invented but you know it's it's up to you if you if you run a game where you don't give out a lot of items you could pare it down from three down to one or 
uh, none at all if that's what you want. However you want to run it, it's up to you. You are the DM after all. How about you, Joe? How, how would you, as a DM, how would you run the items in this in this fight? I th- I, I all, I'm always a big fan of your homebrew uh, magic items. And I definitely think that uh, fighting Oral should have, she should have like boss loot for sure. I probably, I maybe like would have had like a, like a cache mm-hmm. in, inside like one of that, that like last room we went into um, mm-hmm. where I'd, I'm not sure if there was anything, I can't recall if there was anything in there. I would have had like, you know, like a cache of like three items or something like that. But the way you did it was fine. Where like each form, you know, she dropped like the cloak that she was wearing. That made sense. And then the, the ring. And then there was like a shard of the ice that all. Yeah. I mean, that was totally fine. But I definitely think that, you know, other DMs out there should reward their party for killing the (laughs) titular Frost Maiden. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that does make sense to put to put a cash. You would probably put it in the room behind uh, behind where the the where the Frost. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. That that last room. I think there was just like ice statues or something in there. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. That 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 part was weird. It's like, <laughs> why is there? Whereas there, this this room that has nothing behind it. Why even put a room there if there's nothing in it? But yeah, the, so that was the oral uh, the oral fight. Uh, all in all, I think it was a very successful battle. And uh, I, I'll link uh, the oral shard staff that I created. Uh, I guess I'll have to. It's got eter- external links in it. I'll have to fix that part on D and D Beyond, and then I'll link it in the uh, show notes eventually. Um, and then uh, at some point, Joe, we're going to have to get on and, and talk about the campaign as a whole. Yeah. Uh, as we're we're rolling in to the final chapter right now, we're we're on our way in. Wow. Of, of the book. I mean, I guess we could we could continue going and, and figure out what we want to do with the characters and stuff like that when, when we get there. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk about uh, everything, uh, the 10 towns and uh, the, the downed uh, the spaceship and, and all the, the mm. crazy things that are in this book. At some point, we'll have to get together. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, honestly, it, it's crazy. It's crazy, Joe, that that this isn't you and me talking about this stuff because I feel like you know way more about D&D and uh, being a DM than I do. But I, I, no one knows more about your own campaign than you do and I may be a DM, but you know most about it. So I may have more experience in terms of longevity, but you have more experience running your own campaign. (laughs) And you do a wonderful job at it. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you, Joe. Thank you for be, uh, coming out and talking with me today. Uh, I, I'm sorry, a lot of it was just me reciting stats and, <laughs> and okay. talking about that. <laughs> I was happy to have joined. Awesome. Uh, great talking to you. Um, and great. Uh, thank you all for listening and, and, uh, and, and hearing what we have to say. I hope it, it's going to help you uh, run this, this huge, epic combat with your party. And I forgot to do this whole thing, but uh, if you want to get a hold of me, if you want to talk about your campaign and, and let me know how it's going, uh, you can always send me an email to thegregiest at protonmail.com. I'm on Twitter at thegregiest, and you can my DMs are open. You can also send me a message there. Uh, and every Sunday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, Joe and I, uh, <laughs> along with uh, some other lesser folks, we all <laughs> get on the stream... <laughs> 
we get on and stream our uh, our campaign, our Rhyme of the Frost Meme campaign, and you can find that at twitch.tv slash powerwarriors. Uh, but don't ask me DM questions there because uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say any spoilers. I, I won't do it. So you, ju- you just have to send me an email or something. And if you want to get on and talk about your Rhyme of the Frost Maiden campaign uh, or anything like that, uh, let me know. I'm I'm always uh, happy to interview another DM and find out uh, how their their campaign is going. Uh, Joe, is there anything you need wanted to plug or anything like that before we go? Uh, no. Uh, I just want to plug Power Warriors. Watch our shit. <laughs> You can find me. I'm on Twitter at Joe McGurl, my name. Okay. Thank you again. Thank everybody for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time on A DM's Guide to Rhyme of the Frostman. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.